right. So here I am today with Bailey Bryan. We are looking at her story uh, on how she dropped. How much weight did you drop, Bailey? Um, well, I went from about 220, 230 was kind of my max. And right now I'm at about 135. Awesome. Awesome. So almost 100 pounds. And when did that start? When did that journey start? Uh, about 2015 is when I started mindfully trying to lose weight. So you're on year four, going into year five, and it wasn't just yourself, as you let me know. It's also your husband, right? Yes, he's done amazing. He um, he was at about, gosh, I can't remember exactly, but he was upper um, 200s, and he's down to 220 right now. And with his sport, he played basketball, right? Well, that's what he does okay. now, just for cardio, just to keep active. Now, what do you do for cardio? Uh, I love the Stairmaster. I've got a little step mill right now. Um, I don't like cardio. I love lifting more than cardio, but um, it's necessary for what I'm trying to do right now. Bailey, you're from McKinney, right? Yes. Married, mother of two. All right. And how old are your children? I have a six-year-old son, Harrison, and a two-year-old son, Hudson. I feel you. I know how it is. And I remember those days running around behind them. So that requires a lot of activity a lot of patience and everything that you're going through as far as the transformation. I mean, that's a lot on your plate, right? Well, you do your best. And I mean, obviously no one's perfect, but we do try. So when did you first realize, and I'll say this word toxic, but when did you first realize that maybe your relationship with food was inappropriate or toxic, or there's something wrong with it that you needed to change it? I don't think you really realize how toxic or how badly you're really eating until you look back, until you start making those changes. What was your first sign or your first cue? I just didn't feel good. It really it consumed my entire day. I'd be sitting there. At the time when I was at my heaviest, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and I just literally all day, every day, I just thought, man, I just hate how awful I feel. I just feel fat. I feel ugly. I don't want to do anything. And it was it was just so consuming that I couldn't do anything else. You know what? I mean, taking a look inside that, you know, mentally and emotionally, that's a lot of weight, you know, not just literal weight. That's a lot of emotional weight to carry, you know, to have that type of a burden. How did it affect uh, your other relationships? I didn't really have any. I didn't I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to be around people because I just didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel like worthy enough to be around other people, if that even makes sense. It's a huge emotional change when you start to lose weight, when you're really overweight. Now, what about on the way up? You know, did it change once you got to a certain point and then you realize or you start looking at yourself in a different light and you decided that you didn't want to be there socially? Or were you always that way growing up? I was pretty social when I was younger, or I tried to be. I I wasn't afraid to talk to people, but when I gained a bunch of weight, I was almost afraid to talk to people. I just didn't want people to see me and be like, man, she's just so fat. I literally, when I would talk to someone, I would just think, they just think I'm really fat. They're just looking at me and they just think I'm really fat and ugly. That's how I felt. And that's why I I avoided people. Yeah, I know you mentioned um, as far as your parents and your relationship with food as a child uh, was when that started. But if we look back on it, uh, do you feel as though maybe you were trying to please your parents uh, with the eating habits or can you remember back then how you felt? Um, I didn't really try to please them with eating, but I did pick up a bunch of bad habits just 
from how I grew up, we had an open pantry policy. So, and it was always, and we didn't really eat. uh, I've never known how to cook until recently. And I've never been taught how to eat or balance a, a plate of food. And we had like an open pantry policy and it was just full of like little Debbie cakes, unlimited sodas. It was just convenience food and none of it was good. So I, I would probably, as a kid on average, have three to five sodas a day, let wow. alone cakes, snacks, chips. Even uh, at one point, I remember having like, you know, the, the, the tubs of icing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would uh, Eddie Crocker or Duncan Hines. Yeah, exactly. I would just sit there and just eat a tub of icing in front of the TV oh, as like shoot. a snack. And nobody so, would say anything to you. No, it was open pantry. It was whatever you wanted. Now, here's the question. Uh, did your parents eat like that, too? Did they eat the same Little Debbie snacks and things? Uh, they would just grab whatever. I, I honestly don't even know what they would really eat. But I just I do remember that they um, they were stress eaters, and so am I. So whenever we would be really upset about something, it was just natural just to sit there and just you, – you weren't even hungry. You're just eating just to eat. Gotcha. Hey, man, you know what? I completely understand. I was the same way. and. It wasn't that my mother or my grandmother ate those snacks. They got them because I liked them, you know, and, and because I had other cousins and, uh, you know, people who'd come over, you know, they wanted to have those treats available. So when it came down to the, the fudge rounds and the star crunches, like that's history for me. I used to love that stuff. I mean, now it's a delicacy. Like I, I mean, I'm guilty of it, like on a road trip, which, you know, we don't have plenty of. I'll stop. And if I'm at a gas station and it's somewhere and it's, uh, you know, they're available for 50 cents or 25 cents, I have one. Oh, I know. You know? cakes, oatmeal cream pies. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff, man. And you know what? It, it is, um, you know, nowadays looking at it, you know, and you find out the added sugars and, you know, why it's there to help preserve and give it the shelf life. You're like, wow. Okay. So somebody went into a lab and design this, not only is it addictive, but it's also bad for our body. Well, that's what's the shame of it is these things that are so easy to grab, especially just not even thinking about it. They're so cheap. And if you want to try to eat healthy, it, they don't really promote people starting to eat healthy. Right. By the pricing. Right. I think the biggest thing I looked at too was recently uh, the fiber content is non-existent. You know, and that's the biggest thing, you know, when foods have fiber, whether it's soluble or insoluble, that's allowing it, you know, to, to fill that, that void there. You actually are satiated, you know, from fiber. So those foods are just full of sugar, which only promotes eating more sugar while also promoting insulin resistance. So it's, you know, it's one of those where you, you it's a lose-lose situation. You're not getting any fiber to help fill you up. So you can just keep going and eat a box of those things if you're not careful. It's easy to grab, easy to keep going. It's just sugar is so addicting. You don't realize until you stop or like actually pay attention to your sugar content, how much it affects you. You are correct. And I think when you, when you touched on it, you know, drinking four to five sodas a day, you know, it's just recently that high fructose corn syrup was revealed as having so much influence on uh, weight gain, you know, not just fat, but non-alcoholic fatty liver damage, uh, syndrome X or, you know, metabolic syndrome, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, type two diabetes. You have all these issues that come up and you're thinking, wow, from a can of soda that's promoted as something that you should drink. I mean, you have them at every restaurant, you know, and in most homes in America, you can find a two liter or something, whether it's a clear or whether it's dark, you know, all your favorite pairings, you know, these days when it comes to, you know, some type of a hamburger or a hot dog or, you know, the state fair or, you know, amusement parks, they're soda, soda, soda. I mean, so it's the, one of the biggest marketing campaigns out there. But yet, if it's not presented with some sort of uh, guidance, you know, you can really go all out. I mean, free refill. So why not? Right. That's what the kids no, it's, like. It's insane. And they do all those promotions as well. Like in the big fast food restaurants like McDonald's, they'll have one dollar soda any size. Right. What, right. And that doesn't stop anybody from getting the jumbo, insanely huge what, 32. What's the biggest now? I think it might be bigger. 44. Right. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. And if you go inside some service stations, they actually have, I think, 60 ounce or something crazy like that. I've seen those. It's ridiculous. And they're making like the cup holders in the cars bigger now, too, because everybody drinks these massive sodas. Right. Just welcoming it. I mean, come on. And you know what? That's one of the things because our health care system is just reactive. You know, it's not proactive. There's nobody in line saying, hey, we have to stop this and make it an ongoing effort to combat this. No, like, hey, we're building more hospitals. We're bringing in and recruiting more doctors, more leaders. So we're going to be able to take care of all your problems. Just keep going the way you're going. We're going to bet that you're not going to be able to succeed. So come on in. Let's do try to set you up for that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, you know. And uh, you know, nowadays you also have to think about you know your your average person, and not just because of socioeconomics. You're, you're thinking average person as far as just desire. Like, hey, working out or making those changes requires a lot of effort. So if I had to go along and either follow a certain path or a certain journey uh, that required me to exercise, it requires me to eat right, that requires me to go outside of my box and change my normal habits. Now I also have to factor in, I could take that route or I could go the easy route and just wait on the doctors, you know, or if something happens, I can just go to the hospital, go to the doctor. There's a solution for it that comes in the form of a prescription, not preventative measures, you know? Absolutely. And it's, it's actually, it's, the little changes that you make that add up that make a big difference. Like just just start slow and maybe cut out that afternoon soda or try something different, like a maybe a Gatorade Zero or some something that still gets that craving that you want that sweet, flavorful drink, but something a little bit better. No, I agree. I agree. You can take baby steps for sure. Um, you know, like you said, there's, you know, your Gatorade Zero, there's your, the buy, you know, I believe with the, the coconut uh, infused water or the coconut flavored drink. And, you know, there's still green tea, you know, you can find it, you know, there's the real raw green tea, you know, cause tea is a whole food. So it's like, you can get green tea and not have it sweet. Right. But you can also get green tea with slight sweetener added right. to it. Well, I mean, that's like sugar. They say that sugar is the equivalent to like nicotine. So quitting smoking is almost as difficult, well, just as difficult, they say, as quitting sugar. The, the reward system in the brain, you know, is where it all stems from. And I think we start these, we build these patterns when we're younger. 
you know, because there are a lot of people that drink coffee right now. I'm like, you didn't drink coffee when you were in fifth grade, I know. You can start a pattern and you can choose to quit a pattern. You know, you just have to make the conscious effort. But after you build things up, you know, it takes a while for you to wean off of, wean yourself off of, because your body's become adapted to it. Your brain's become adapted to it. And it's like your social environment, a lot of time is constructed around your likes. You know, having coffee with your friends or coffee with your spouse or, you know, tea with your friends or, you know, these, it's these events that carry this emotional significance that we uh, crave, you know, and these, these, what we call, what I would call a soothing environment, you know, that is really toxic that we have to change in order to get out of it. You know, you, you really have to have some type of intervention. And right now, my opinion, I just don't feel like there are enough people intervening or that are willing to go outside their comfort zone to really bring that awareness to their friends, to their loved ones, you know? Right. It's, and it's also, you know, you, like I said, you learn the mistakes that your parents make and you try to fix that. I know that, you know, you still pass on some mistakes to your kids and they'll try to fix whatever you mess up. But right. that is one huge difference I am trying to make with my kids is just how I build their plates. It's a conscious effort. It's not just throwing whatever or letting them grab whatever, because obviously they're going to choose sweets over vegetables. I mean, what kid doesn't mainly? Um, but when I when I do their plates, I always now I think of it in terms of like carbs, fats, and proteins. Do they have all three on the plate? Are they going to eat this? We're gonna we're gonna push for that, and I do the eighty twenty. Like, like I said, we're not perfect and they have, they have ice cream, but it's on occasion or they have to finish their meal. I can definitely assume that there's no open pantry policy in your house, right? No, our pantry has a lock. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So now, I mean, when I go back and I'm thinking about everything that you've said so far, you're saying that you started pretty much, you know, four and a half, five years ago. So that journey close to a hundred pounds what did you see along the first, let's say, six months? How was the process for you then? The weight change and uh, energy levels and things like that. Oh, it was it was really difficult. Um, like I said, I was really embarrassed. I didn't want to be around people, so I actually started my workouts at home with Body Beast. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's a beach body program. Okay, but I, I think that. I've seen it. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. Um, but I didn't want to be around people when I worked out. I was too embarrassed. So started out with a set of five pound dumbbells and a big ball. And I did the program and I started losing weight that way. And I, um, I didn't start by trying to eat cleaner. I just started counting calories. So okay. that was, I guess that's kind of the progression. It's been from working out at home and counting calories and then starting to eat a little bit cleaner. And then now it's, really clean eating. And I, we've joined the gym. Uh, well, we had a garage gym as well too. We kind of really transformed through that together. Once right. I started losing weight, my husband came on and he started losing weight too. So then we like built out our garage into a full gym. Man, that's and awesome. Then, uh, yeah. It's been, it's been really fun. It's been so you fun. Get one together. step at a time. Absolutely. I mean, this is years and I still have so much to learn. And you know what? That's, that's good because I think people need to hear that. And I say it because a lot of people uh, get impatient, you know, and right now, you know, we live in an in a environment where everything is get it when you need it. You know, everything's so accessible. So 
wanting to lose weight, wanting to eat better, wanting to change your body composition and gain muscle, whatever your desire is, people try to associate it with things like at a fast food restaurant or a Chipotle. It's like, hey, I want it this way. And I want it in five weeks. I need to have this change before this wedding. I need to have this change before my high school reunion. I need to have this change by X date. You know, so that's good to hear because you've made these changes and they've stuck. And not only, you know, this, these aren't quick fixes, right? These are all changes that these are gradual progressions. Yes. And it's not like I haven't had fallbacks because it is a complete learning process. And there were times where I was like, you know what? I'm really happy. I've lost weight. I feel good. And then I started eating like junk again. And then I would gain all the weight back. I think I gained the weight back two or three times before I finally was like, man, I've just got to keep pushing. And it's hard when you hit plateaus and stuff wow. as well to just really just keep going. Don't get discouraged. Keep going because losing it again is so disheartening and it makes it even harder the second time or the third time. How far along in your journey were you before you hit your first roadblock and you gained the weight back? Gosh, um, I think I went about six months of counting calories and doing that um, beach body program. And then I started to feel a lot better because I dropped, you know, you, you drop that first hunk of weight and you feel better and you're more active. You have more energy. And it was just, it was a feeling. It wasn't exactly a number. It was a feeling like I feel good about myself. And then it was like, so I'll have a reward for feeling good. And that leads gotcha. to another reward and that leads to another reward. And then you're back up 20 pounds. It, it's so easy to do. But I think it's a lot of people don't want to admit it, you know, and we'll turn the blame onto certain things. Well, it's because of this, you know, because of this event or my schedule changed, or there's always a reason, right? But then finding that resilience, like being able to get back to where you need to be and overcome, you know, those obstacles and to actually persevere, which is what you've done. In fact, you've done it. This is your third time now. And now you're, you know, it's stuck, right? Absolutely. I Now it's kind of funny how it's progressed because when I first started, I really had to force myself to go to the gym. I really had to force myself to eat things. And like I said, I, I didn't know how to cook back then. So I was forcing down burnt eggs, burnt chicken, things <laughs> that like they were supposed to be good for me. And I think the biggest thing I look back on now is just take it slow, be positive and make it work for your lifestyle. Don't force something because not what what I'm doing right now, it probably isn't going to work for you because everyone's body's different as well and it has to be uh, enjoyable. Otherwise it's not going to stick. True, true, true. I'm curious how you burn the eggs. How did you burn the oh, eggs? <laughs> I really, I promise you, I couldn't cook at all. It was awful. Um, Yeah. But if you are making an omelet, if you scramble your eggs and add a little bit of water, like a tablespoon, it actually okay. cleans the eggs underneath so you don't burn them. Okay. Okay. I'm about to try that next time. That's cool. Wow. So now you've got the whole, well, not, I'm sorry, you're still learning. So right now, what's your favorite meal to prepare? Um, I like, one of the, my favorite things that I've done is I've taken foods that we really enjoy, like burgers or spaghetti or chili. And I found mm -hmm. a healthy way to make it, but also really tasty. So we don't have all these crazy cravings for junk food because we're making it in a healthier way. Okay. And we don't eat it all the time, but I'm saying like, if we want spaghetti, I know a recipe I can use that 
it's really not terrible. It's whole grain pasta still. Um, we'll use either turkey or like 97.3 ground beef. Um, and the sauce is made from scratch. So it's like all tomatoes and onions and red pepper. And yeah, it's, it's making me hungry. So <laughs> nice. Now I know. Cause I've seen the post, you know, seen the story and you're like, Hey, I've got this. If you want, you know, you can try this. Uh, this is my meal prep. I'm eat this, you know, for lunch. Cause not only are you training for pleasure, for exercise, but now you're training to compete, which is a whole different level. So you've gone from one end of the spectrum to the totally opposite end of the spectrum. And I think it becomes really addicting. Um, And I finally got to the point where I loved lifting so much that I finally got bored and I wanted a new challenge. So this one's more of a mental and physical challenge. And it's pushed me to have further goals than let's just be thin. Yeah. So now here's here's what I'm curious of. What did you find to be similar between your paths of weight loss and then muscle gain? Gosh, it's, that's funny. That's an interesting question. Weight loss, it was all, um, it's a lot of diet and muscle gain. You have to actually put on weight before you can cut down. So I went through, like, this was my first ever bulk recently. And I was bulking in the summer, which isn't fun, by the way. (laughs) But (laughs) you have to put on weight, but you can't just eat a bunch of junk to put on weight. It has to be like, I tried to do a clean bulk. So it was all good food. It was chicken, rice, broccoli, eggs, um, that sort of thing, but in larger amounts. So I was putting on weight so I can cut it off in a healthy way, everything yeah, yeah. measured and tracked and everything still. Let me ask you a question. How many grams of protein do you think that you're eating per day? Um, Right now, let me check. I track everything on my fitness pal. I love it. And it's free too. So it's a good place to start. And I've been on it for decades. Um, okay. So highly recommend if you don't know where to start. But right now, my protein, I'm at 150 grams a day of protein. You're still in the bulk phase or are you done? No, I'm cutting right now. Um, okay. So I'm nine weeks out, almost eight weeks out from my first show. When you were bulking, what was your highest weight? Uh, I got up to, I think, 245 or sorry, 145. Awesome. And now you have so much discipline and your path is so clear you're not struggling making the adjustments. It's not like, hey, this is a 145 and I have to worry about it being fat or I have to worry about it, you know, changing my body composition. There's no fear behind it. This is all purpose, you know? So I think that's that's solid. And the reason I even ask you what the similarities were between weight loss and weight gain is because I want people to know that that it requires mental preparation. You know, it's something where you'll face challenges no matter what the obstacles are, no matter what life presents to you, losing weight and and gaining weight, you know, for a competition requires just as much commitment and focus as anything. Absolutely. I think, I mean, and there's been so many articles too on how hard it is to gain muscle and not only gain, but retain because you can shred incorrectly and this is why you need help, um, or you can get help. I'm really grateful for my coach. Um, his name's Jeff Dwelly. 
but there's a way if you shred incorrectly, mm-hmm. you're going to lose the muscle that you gained and it's pointless, but he's really good about taking it slow. Did you have, did you see an uptake in your protein as you need it to drop? You know, I have, but I've had kind of a, it's a really long story, but I had an intolerance. I found out during prep, I've had an intolerance to whey protein. So okay. it kind of messed with my gut. And honestly, I bet my, I bet my protein intake would be even higher if I could tolerate it. But my gut gets all weird when uh, my levels are off. Was that plant-based or beef-based or or is it like the um, egg and dairy-based? I think way? it's more um, like egg and dairy. Like more, it's okay. more just like the way like processed protein. Okay. So I don't have any like I don't do any protein shakes now. I just it's a hundred percent chicken, eggs, you know, clean protein. What about um, yogurt? I, right now for like, usually if I wasn't in prep, I would have more dairy. Mm-hmm. Like I would have cereal and milk or um, yogurt or this or that, but I'm not doing a lot of dairy. So like no cheese, no milk, but I do like um, almond milk for oats. And it's good that you found substitutes, you know, because I think people find it hard to substitute certain things. because They feel like they're compromising their, their enjoyment of life, you know? So you start going through your, you know, your, your daily regimen, you're like, okay, I can give up this, I can give up this, but I'm not giving that up. Why am I doing it? You know, especially if they don't start to see the results quick enough, you know? So I think it's something where you've got to have that resolve. You've got to have, uh, you know, that focus to understand that, you know, weight loss isn't easy. Weight gain isn't easy. So comparing those two again, it's like everybody sees these changes, you know, I have what you call the, um, you know, I'm often talking about the, the, the skinny fat people, you know, and I think people do too much comparing because you can look at somebody and think that they're healthy when they're really not, you know, and if you use that as the barometer, then you're going to find yourself pretty lost. Those are my big, and it's hard. You have to almost put up blinders, like horse blinders, you know, and, uh, you can't compare yourself to anyone else because like I said, everyone's bodies are made so differently. What works for someone may not work for you. You can't just copy a celebrity diet or these fad diets. They don't work. There's not a magic pill. And I also, uh, I can also recommend don't, don't pay too much attention to the weight because your weight fluctuates day to day. And also it's only, it's, it's, it's a number. It's how you feel that's more important. Now, early on, did you go by weight or did you also use body composition? Did you use tape measure to measure circumference of your waist and your hips? Back then, I didn't know what I know now. And so back then, I that's why I say don't don't pay too much attention to weight because you'll drive yourself crazy. But I literally made myself miserable watching the weight, trying to force down foods I didn't like. You can't force it. You have to find a natural and healthy fit for your lifestyle to make it work and sustainable. Are you familiar with Dr. Jason Fung? I'm not. His book, The Obesity Code and A Guide to Intermittent Fasting or something that I've read. And he has a concept and it's called the uh, apostat. And the apostat really is referring to what he calls your body set weight. No, I'm not. And I'm curious if you can relate to this. So the way he describes your body set weight is it's your body attempting to maintain a certain composition. So if you try to lose weight, then your body will naturally try to slow your metabolism to keep you at a certain set point. That 
way of thinking and doing, it just wasn't working. It wasn't going to okay. keep this weight off permanently by trying to force it. All right. So let me ask you this. If you weren't prepping for show, what would your favorite cheat meal be? Um, well, like I said, one thing that I have enjoyed us doing is learning how to make alternative dishes that are what we're craving, but they're a little healthier. So like we make a really, my husband mm-hmm. taught me, he makes a really mean curry and we like to make spaghetti and chili. Um, the funny thing though, um, is what I've been craving the most right now. And I have no idea why, but they say you crave weird things when you're not having them. But I, all I want in the world is a bowl of raisin bran with a banana. <laughs> and that would make me so happy. So when you're at a show, that's the first thing you're going to grab, huh? I don't know. I mean, it's still still a little ways away, but that's what I would like right now. <laughs> All right. And so that's your favorite. That would be your favorite meal. If you could cheat right now, you would have that meal. What about a snack? Anything in particular? I really Something that I really enjoy making are my overnight oats. And it's really easy. I prep it the night before and I just grab it in the morning. So that way, like when I'm helping the kids get ready for school or this or that, it's just it's there. I don't have to think about it or weigh anything. And it's, it's easy. Okay. Are those like the little balls? No, it's uh, just whole grain oats with some almond milk. And I like to put peanut butter in mine. And then you just literally shake it up and throw it in the fridge. Nice. Nice. Okay. You got to send us their recipe. It is super easy. Really good too. Personally, I'm a, I'm an almond, almond milk guy. I like the dark chocolate almond milk. I use it on my smoothies. I saw you making a smoothie the other day. I love it. It spinach and your almond milk and can't remember what else you put in there. It looked good though. Yeah, the ghost whey protein because I, you know, I, I like ghost whey protein. I started off with their peanut butter cereal protein, which tastes like Reese's peanut butter uh, cereal. <laughs> and now I'm on the fruity cereal scoop and it tastes like fruity pebbles. So, you know, for me, they blend well with strawberries, cherries, blueberries, uh, the spinach and the flaxseed uh, goes well, uh, and you can't you can't taste it. My wife said she could taste the flaxseed. I couldn't taste the flaxseed. I couldn't taste the spinach. To me, it tastes like a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So when I have that urge or that sweet tooth, I'm like, hey, I can I can do it. For years, I would go to Smoothie King and at least one day a week and get their strawberry shredder, add peanut butter. But now I'm like, hey, I can just make it myself and make it better. And then I can incorporate blueberries. I try dark cherries. I'm like, it tastes the same. Or actually, to me, it tastes better. And then I throw in spinach without being charged $2 and, you know, (laughs) anything else I want. So I I love it. I think it's when you learn to make things that are still enjoyable but also healthy that that's when this works. That's when you know that you can sustain this. Yes, yes. It's simple, simple too. Like that wasn't hard to make. It literally takes two minutes every night. And I love it. Every morning I look forward to it. So Yeah, it's it's things like that that go a long way. And and honestly, a lot of this stuff isn't expensive. You know, a lot of people think that, oh man, you have to uh, make a lot of money to be able to eat like that. It's like, no, when you buy and prepare your own food, you actually end up saving money. You know, so being able to wrap your your head around that idea, you know, is something that a lot of people have to get beyond. It's like, hey, you can have your your brown rice, you know, but it's the mashed potatoes and gravy. It's the, you know, macaroni and cheese every night or the overcooked green beans that have all the, you know, the bacon and, 
you know, things like that, you know, the, the soul food and, you know, food that's either microwave prepped or food that's uh, prepackaged and, and cooked, you know, things like that, that you have to worry about that lacks it's the processed food that lacks it's, um, you know, the, the nutrition that we need. So, you know, it's, it's, I think about it and I go back to what, eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there when we're going through biology and it's like, you're learning all this stuff about how, you know, your, your body is made of, you know, up to 65, 70% water. And, you know, we're looking at oxygen content and, and oxidation and valence electrons and things like that. But you don't really understand how it relates to you until you get older. And now you're having to look at inflammation and you're having to look at micronutrient deficiencies and you're looking at the issues with cancer and heart disease and, you know, the other set, uh, the other five, what you have kidney and uh, lung disease, cerebrovascular and, uh, and stroke. And then you have Alzheimer's and kidney disease and diabetes. So you have these issues that are the seven out of the top 10 killers, you know, in the United States. And they're preventable, you know, so it's not like <laughs> things can't be prevented. You can't be helped. We can't change our lifestyles, but that's how simple it is, is to, you know, but it takes effort and people have to be willing to put in the time. And just as you've said through this interview, you've taken four years, you're in your fifth year and you still feel like you have a lot more to learn you know, which is good to know. So a lot of people should be able to, to relate to that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm just getting started. I've had a setback too. I've had a couple of setbacks, right? But now here I am, I've persevered and I'm, 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 I'm going through the mud and I've, you know, I'm here with my spouse or I'm here with my significant other. I'm here with, you know, my mother or father and we're all working to get better and it's going to take some time, but it's definitely within, within reach. Absolutely. Absolutely. What part of your body do you give the most attention to when you're exercising? Well, it it really depends um, just on goals. Right now, specifically for what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to build sh- bigger shoulders and bigger legs. So those are my two big focus areas. And I'm really enjoying it as well, too. It's areas I haven't, well, shoulders especially is not an area I've ever really paid attention to. Okay. And so what are you doing right now to attack those shoulders? Just trying to make sure, and that's the fun part about, about all what I'm learning is you learn different exercises, you learn all the different muscle groups within a muscle. So, I mean, the shoulder is not just one muscle. It's like you work different parts of it and it's just fun to learn that you can use one machine for three different things and hit different areas. Exactly. You got your traps, your interior delts. You got everything that you can work on uh, throughout a couple of different, throughout a couple of different moves if you really needed to. So, are you doing any supersets right now or anything like that with your shoulders? Absolutely. I actually had shoulders today. Um, one of okay. the supersets I did was front raises, and then I would lie on an incline bench and just do a side raise, so you can get more nice. range of motion if you lay on that angle. Yeah. Um, another thing, and Miss Olympia does this, and it's the this the horizontal seated row cable machine. But you can actually, if you sit up close enough to it, you can put your wrists through the cables, and you can lay down and actually do side raises. 
Um, ah, okay. Yeah, it's, okay. it's been really fun playing with machines. I think that's one of my favorite things right now is just playing with like foot footing placement for different parts of your legs and all the different variations. There's so many things you can do. I'm just watching from people I follow and I mean, they're obviously killing it. So what's your, what's your mindset like going into this competition since you've never done it before, but it sounds like you've got a great coach and you've got the drive. Well, it's just, you got to take it day for day. So I have my, my mental checklist, like, okay, this is the workout I have for today. Did I do my workout? Yes. Did I eat my meal plan? Yes. And just keep pushing that way. And it is playing a lot, like, cause I, I build my workouts in like a month. So I'll have the same spread for one week and I'll do it for a whole month. And every week I'll make sure I do more weight, more reps or more sets. And so I've been playing around with I actually have been playing around with lower weight and higher reps, or sometimes I'll do heavier weight, lower reps. It just depends. No, no, it's good. And I think it's important too, because when you start looking at uh, the principles of adaptation, a lot of people don't understand when they plateau, why? You know, like they, they want to point a lot of fingers at things that aren't really the cause, but it's a lot of times because they're following some preset plan. Right. Like they haven't paid for or or learn how to adjust their workouts to where they require more of their body. They demand more of their body to cause to stimulate it to adapt. And it sounds like you're you're right on on target with it where you go 30 days and really about four weeks is where you should be. Four weeks, 30 days right along the same timeline. So if you're running every day, wanting to be a better runner, but you always run at the same speed and you're running the same distance, eventually you're going to get better, right? You're going to be able, your body's going to adapt. Your legs are going to get stronger. But after a certain period of time, you're going, you're not going to burn fat the same way, right? Your energy isn't going to be metabolized the same way because it's already adapted to that demand. So you have to change one of the variables. You have to change either the length of time that you're running, you have to change uh, the distance that you're running, or maybe you change your speed, maybe you change your incline. And it sounds like you're adapting, you understand more about the acute variables on how to make those changes to where you're seeing the results. And it's funny, it's actually like when you when you don't know or you don't think about it that way, you think a plateau is a bad thing and you get really frustrated and upset. And really it's saying your body's gotten stronger. Great job. Keep going. That's all it right. means. Keep going. Now, do you have any advice you'd like to give anyone struggling with their weight? Yes, I do. Just from things that I have learned, um, start with small goals. If you're not working out at all, don't say, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week because realistically, you probably won't. I'm not saying don't have high goals for yourself. I'm just saying start small because little things add up. And also, just listen to how you're talking to yourself. I, I remember just absolutely beating myself up. Um, when, when I was just desperately forcing it and I was so negative to myself, I would just, I would call myself, you're just so fat, you're so ugly and you're just, this is just not working and you're just awful at it. Just terrible, just terrible things to tell myself to try to, that was how I tried to motivate myself to do, to go work out and eat right was tell myself how bad I was, which doesn't make any sense. So stay positive and Life is busy and overwhelming, so take five minutes for yourself if you need it. Like, go take a bath or 
put on a face mask or whatever it is, just breathe. And I promise you're going to do awesome. Just be positive. That is good. And I hope, you know, people can understand this and, and see it and somebody's going to relate to it. Somebody's going to be inspired by it. They're going to hear your story and they're going to say, wow, I did that. I've done that. I'm going through it. My brother went through it. My sister went through it. My mother, somebody's going to be able to relate to it in a way where they say, you know what? Let me try it again. I gave up, but let me try it again. Bailey did it. Now I got to do it. You know, experience the same thing. Because so many times, you know, it's it's easy to try and normalize certain patterns. When you're in a, an environment that may not have uh, the, the support that you require, then it's easy for people to, you know, more and so accept you for who you are rather than oppose you. You know, like we, right now we live in a society that's full of enablers. Everybody wants to be uh, cool. They want to be in, you know, they want people to be happy and they want the most stress-free life. Uh, but that also comes with certain compromises. I think once you start, and this is my opinion, but once you start to compromise your health, then everything is up for grabs. You know, it's like if you compromise your health, then the next thing in line is, and you're also willing to compromise. So, you know, I think that's where we have to get to where as a society, we're taking the challenge to speak up. You know, it's not just about crime. It's not just about poverty. You know, we still have a huge medical issue going on with overweight, overweightness and obesity that still needs to be challenged. That is, you know, what, what a $3.3 trillion uh, spending right now. So it's only getting worse too. You know, you're seeing a, a, a new restaurant, a new fast food restaurant. Uh, and then you're also seeing 24 seven, uh, you know, urgent care ho- hospital and then specialty clinics going up for cancer treatments and everything else. And, you know, there are more of those going up than you see anything else on wellness or fitness, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's insane. You you start to see buildings go up and you just ask yourself what restaurant's going there. It's, it's crazy. I was just asking myself that the other day. They're building a big uh, strip by our house and literally just, you can already tell, you can see that by the shape of the building, it's going to be some kind of restaurant. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're like, I hope it's a good one, right? <laughs> I hope it's something that has some healthy options for us, healthy options for the kids and it's going to promote, you know, that type of inclusion within the community because, I mean, honestly, a lot of people just don't know where to go and you get frustrated. You got to have something on the go. You got to have something sometimes, uh, you know, to get you through the day. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're surrounded by all these temptations, it makes that journey that much more difficult. And, you know, we're just not in a point where we have enough people being able to say, you know what, I can resist that. I mean, we saw people that as far as fasting, I'm, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. Do you intermittent fast at all? You know, I, I have several people I know that do it and love it. And maybe I'll give it a shot down the line, but I, I'm still learning. So educate me. Hey, I mean, honestly, with the intermittent fasting, you kind of pick it how you want to live. You know, it is really just more so about increasing your fastest state than your fed state. You know, if you think about the time when you break your fast, maybe at 7 a.m., you're opening the door until about 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. for dinner in your typical American or Western culture, you know, lifestyle to where your children eat breakfast before school and you have lunch and then you're having dinner at six or seven. So you have those 12 hours fasted, 12 hours fed, but when you fast, you're giving your body more time to rest. So that means that you're preparing your body 
for that extra rest to uh, improve your insulin sensitivity. And with insulin being the most sensitive and most anabolic hormone in the body, better yet, it's important, you know, because type 2 diabetes is really about insulin resistance, you know, the abundance of, of, of blood glucose because the insulin isn't allowing it to be transported into the cells the way that it should. So when you fast, you really give your body that extra time to repair, the extra time to, to just focus on, you know, you can drink water and you, you're looking at, you know, funneling out uh, cellular waste and, you know, in a sense, you could say detoxing, but it just gives you the extra time uh, to allow for your body to focus on other things, giving your liver a rest to where it's not processing food, you know? No, that makes sense. Um, like I said, I've, I've seen a lot of people do it. I've seen a few successful and I've seen some that don't use it appropriately. So I think learning more about it before you go that route is definitely a good idea. Yeah, because it, it's just a plan, you know, it, it's nothing... Uh, overwhelming by any mean. Everybody can, you know, some people choose full 24-hour fast, you know, where you're just drinking water. Uh, but you have to choose how you break that fast. You know, some people get the urge or the temptation to break it with something like, hey, I fasted for 20, 24 hours. Let me go and break it with a piece of cake. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, you can't do that. I've gone 24 hours out food. So now the first thing I'm going to put in my body is cake or brownies or whatever I've been wanting for the past 24 hours. That's not that's yeah. going to be your approach. I suggest not to do that. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Because you have to realize when, you're, when you feel hungry, your body wants nutrients. Your body's not telling you to eat that pizza or that burger or that cake. That's a you decision. You know, your body's saying, I need nutrition. I need something that's going to feed these cells, we're looking at growth, we're looking at repair, we're looking at lean muscle production, you know, we're looking at hormone production, we're looking at all these thousands of functions, you know, right now, and I need my juice, <laughs> you know, I need my vitamins, I need my minerals. That's really, if your body could talk to you and tell you what to put in and what to give it that it prefers, that's what it wants. It's not going to want the crap, you know, but it's something that you had to get to a point where it's second nature, you know, it starts with you know, tearing down those old patterns and building up good ones. So intermittent fasting for me has just been a way for me to kind of control those urges and to use it as a window. Since I don't, I've only done like a 24, 36 hour fast once in the last year, but I know people for medical reasons go longer than that. But, you know, I, I choose to do like a 16 and eight, sometimes 17, seven, uh, every now and then I'll do like a 20 and four, but it's all preference, you know, so. Uh, I, like I said, I always go back to this. It's about what works with your lifestyle. Like the, my boys are little, so they, we, I would prefer them to have like small snacks, snacky kind of meals. Um, so like we'll grab a bowl of fruit or whatever if they're hungry. And that's why like my, instead of going back to what you said earlier, having, we're so like, we grow up learning breakfast, lunch, dinner, but really your body, uh, you can either do the intermittent fasting or like for my lifestyle, I have four to six small meals throughout the day because we just kind of snack here and there, keep our body fueled, keep moving. And that, that works for us. And then you've got the results that show this works, you know? Yes. Like I said, trying. So one, one day at a time. But no, that's good. That's perfect. And, you know, I appreciate you so much for, you know, spending this time with me and 
this is what's going on inside the minds of people who, who are losing weight and who are having success and full body transformation. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, thanks for having me. I just, if you want to do it, you can do it. Just anyone who's listening, if you want to do it, you can do it. That's it. That's all. That's all you need. <laughs> So remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll receive alerts when I release my next episode. Also, visit my website at reviveyou.com. That's R-E-V-Y-V-E-U dot com. And pick up some useful health and fitness tips. While you're at it, follow me on Instagram at revivefit underscore coach for a daily dose of motivation. And remember, when you invest in your health, You invest in your future.